The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a complement to the Numinous School, an online intuition development course for people who want their self awareness to serve a greater good. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola. And this week, my guest is an author who has been fundamentally formative in my thinking and my approach to climate change. As a person who thinks a lot about being an ancestor, I think about my granddaughter's granddaughters. And as a parent who thinks a lot about what skills my daughter needs to cope with an unstable future involving catastrophic climate events and the social and economic and environmental fallout of that, And the unspoken low-grade anxiety that we all experience at times living in a world with converging emergencies and interminable decline always underpinning our existence, I turn to Carolyn Baker to keep me sane in a sane world. So it's my sincere honor to welcome Carolyn Baker to the Numinous Podcast today. I connected with Carolyn over Skype. She was at home in Boulder, Colorado. So Carolyn, you have a very large body of work that helps people uh, face and accept the spiritual implications of collapse. And that would include, I guess, economic and environmental collapse, social collapse uh, in a post-peak oil age. And I'm wondering, of all the evidence out there, what is the most uh, convincing for you that we actually are in an age of collapse? Well, that's a wonderful question, Carmen. Uh, You know, for about the first seven years of my researching the collapse of industrial civilization, I didn't understand that I was researching the collapse of industrial civilization. I thought I was exploring a number of disparate problems that were unrelated to each other. And then in 2007, I saw an amazing movie that anyone can watch online for free entitled, What a Way to Go, Life at the End of Empire. And what that phenomenal two-hour movie showed me is that all of these so-called separate problems are part of a whole reality. The collapse of industrial civilization and the paradigm on which it's based, because that paradigm no longer works. We see it now in the collapse of almost every institution in Western civilization and even more glaringly in the collapse of ecosystems. We're in the throes of catastrophic abrupt climate change, which now has a life of its own and appears to be unstoppable. The collapse of everything else pales by comparison with this. So, wow, you were also a therapist for almost two decades. Did you feel like you wanted to just check yourself in for counseling after that? (laughs) I mean, like, you know, so honestly, I mean, that's very sobering, what you've just described. So how did you integrate that? And, you know, how did that affect your work? 
Yeah. Um, well, I was a, a psychotherapist in private practice for about 17 years, and I left my practice for several reasons. First, uh, it was time for me to get out of the therapy office and much more into the world. One of the realities of being a therapist is that you spend so much time working one-on-one with people or with couples, and as a result, I think many therapists are somewhat big picture challenged in the sense that they see really well what's going on with individuals, but they have more difficulty seeing what is going on in the culture. So after I woke up to collapse and began assisting people as a life coach and workshop leader in helping them develop the emotional and spiritual tools they need for navigating it, A lot of partners began coming to me talking about how much pain they were in because they couldn't talk with their partner or family member or friends about collapse. Well, I live in Boulder, Colorado, and maybe they lived on the East Coast or in Canada or Europe, and doing couples work with them was not feasible, not even by Skype. So I wrote Chapter 1 in Love and the Age of Ecological Apocalypse, Cultivating the Relationships We Need to Thrive, specifically for partners and families who are going through this painful experience of one person being very interested in learning more about collapse and the other one not as interested at all or even terrified of talking about it. And also, I'm very available if people want to bring me to their community to offer a workshop on these issues. The reason that this work is so compelling for me personally uh, is that I see it as, as such an opportunity for all people, including myself, to wake up and to really discover why we're here, what our life purpose is, how we can love and serve and take action on behalf of our species and other species, and on behalf of the earth. And the more I do this work, the more alive and inspired I feel. And one of the things that is most invigorating is my life coaching work with individuals who are waking up to the collapse crisis, to the global crisis, and really understand how important it is to live with peace, passion, and purpose at this time. Many of those folks tell me that rather than feeling paralyzed or depressed about our predicament, they feel more alive than they've ever felt because they've completely shifted their priorities and they want to make a difference in their world. Nothing is more compelling for me than witnessing the transformation of consciousness, including my own. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting paradox. And I often say this to my own clients that, you know, spirit speaks in metaphor and it works in paradox. So here you are working on collapse and near term extinction, and yet you're feeling the most alive, inspired and invigorated ever. Absolutely. Yes. That's that. So that's very inspiring to me. I, 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 I think we're on the same wavelength there. Now, one of the chapters in your excellent book, by the way, I'm really loving uh, the book Love in the Age of Ecological Apocalypse. Uh, it's such an awesome title, by the way. <laughs> you know, I didn't choose that title. The publisher yeah. did. And oh. I said, that's fine with me. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. So one of the chapters is on near-term extinction. And this is actually a term that I think is not in the mainstream very much. And so I wonder if you could, um, you know, obviously people should get the book and read the chapter. But can you just define what near-term extinction is exactly? 
Sure. And before I do that, let me just say that actually uh, the, the word extinction and the sixth grade extinction, those are topics that are very much now in the conversation about climate change. It's almost impossible now to have a serious conversation about climate change without the E word coming up. So near-term human extinction is simply the likelihood that sometime within the next century, most humans on this planet are likely to become extinct. The dates seem to vary depending on the researcher. Um, you know, some 200 other species are going extinct every day. And based on the impeccable research gathered by my colleague, Dr. Guy McPherson, and really available to everyone everywhere, I have a very difficult time believing that there will be many humans on this planet by 2100. Guy sees humans going extinct by 2030, 2040, somewhere in that vicinity. I really don't know. But as I said, I can't see humans enduring much beyond 2100. Um, and by the way, Guy and I co-authored a book last year entitled Extinction Dialogues, How to Live with Death in Mind, in which we had a conversation about his expertise, the science, and my perspective on how we deal with this emotionally and spiritually. Mm, fascinating. Well, and I, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Stephen Jenkinson, who isn't working in the area of uh, collapse explicitly, but he's working in the area of, of dying and, and addressing Very familiar. Our, very yeah, familiar. Yeah, love him. So I'm in his Orphan Wisdom School and uh, very much enjoying it. But isn't it interesting, though, even how... I, I'm just noticing how you said within a century, so it's only a hundred years, within our grandchildren's grandchildren's, you know, our grandchildren's uh -huh. lifetime, most humans will become extinct. So really what we're talking about is billions of people are going to die, probably from environmental, uh, economic, social uh, collapse and upheaval, that sort of thing. So the fact is we do have to face grief because we'll, we will literally be midwifing each other through death or at least our culture through death and and I'm wondering if if that part that billions of people are going to die uh even if Elon Musk like oh I love that we have a battery now that can save sunlight but the fact is that still doesn't prevent catastrophic climate events in which people will die that's just just one example so is, is it that fact of the, the mass extinction um, that has caused you to now kind of stick your neck out? I mean, there are easier jobs, I'm sure, than being a writer in this genre <laughs> than being, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> sounding the death knell of society. So right. is it that part that made you decide to sort of stick your neck out and have these uh, discussions or was there something else? Well, you know, I've been an activist for many years, and when I saw what's at stake way back in the early 2000s, long before I understood the collapse of industrial civilization, I knew that I had to talk about the difficult subjects. But even before that, I was a student of Carl Jung, who told told us many times that the darkness and the light need each other and that we can only experience the fullness of light and life by being willing to deal with the darkness. And for this reason, my work will never be accepted by the popular culture. My books will never be on bestseller lists because I'm saying a whole lot of things that people don't want to talk about. It 
takes great courage to look at this global crisis for what it is and own that we had a part in creating it, face the likelihood of near-term extinction, and make a commitment to live lives of peace, passion, and purpose, and focus on compassionate service to the Earth community instead of the next toy or the next promotion, the next facelift, the next vacation to some exotic place. But the people who are preoccupied with those things have no idea how fulfilled they could be if they allowed their hearts to be broken open with grief and compassion and allowed that heartbreak to completely shift their priorities. So what do you hope for for your business or for for your work in the world for what you're for you know for your books and for your workshops and for all of that what are you really hoping for is what do you hope the impact will be like do you think that it's going to just make things easier for people do you think it could actually prevent pain what what are you hoping for in the body of work that you're creating well, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about grief later, I believe, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I want to just say that, you know, the focus of all of my work, the purpose of why I do what I do is the transformation of consciousness. You know, we are in the midst of a planetary initiation, a, a rite of passage uh, in which, you know, we're, we're at a tipping point. Is, is humanity going to evolve to the next level? Uh, in the transformation of consciousness, which doesn't mean that we're going to survive as a species, but are we as individuals and as a community going to uh, transform our consciousness and really realize why we're here, you know, and then work in the world to make a difference in terms of service and loving each other and sharing our compassion. Um, that's for me, that's what it's all about. And, and falling back in love with the earth again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, okay. So anybody who knows me at all or has listened to the podcast before knows that right now, what I'm thinking is I want to be Carolyn Baker when I grow up. Because <laughs> like, well, you got to make sure Carolyn Baker has grown up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're just, you're really speaking my language. Uh, okay, so what do you think grief work looks like for the collective? Because this feels overwhelming. Like, what yeah. do you think grief work looks like for our society in practice? Well, you know, I have a friend who's a Chinese medicine physician who talks about the power of heartbreak. This global crisis is so severe and so likely to lead to near-term extinction, so devastating for the Earth community, that the only sane response at this time is deep, deep grief. People want to take action and start doing things, and that's perfectly fine. But my friend Andrew Harvey talks about sacred activism, activism that is married to spirituality. And activism that is married to spirituality first and foremost opens to heartbreak and admits how shattered we are by the losses of our species and the losses that we as humans have created on this planet. Our hearts must be broken open for two vital reasons. The first is that we need to do grief work. And on May 14th, I'm starting a two-part webinar series with Frances Weller, who I consider the foremost expert on grief in the United States. Frances says that grief is a form of soul hygiene. That is, if we don't regularly grieve, 
we become toxic to the world around us. So we need to be doing grief work. And the second reason we should allow the heartbreak is that heartbreak guides us into our truest mission on this planet. For example, if the plight of animals breaks our heart, we should work for animals. If the plight of homeless people breaks our heart, we should serve there. We shouldn't decide intellectually how we want to serve, but we must allow our hearts to guide us, and a broken heart will not guide us incorrectly. In fact, it's the ultimate GPS of the soul. So, as I said, Frances Weller and I will be doing this two-part webinar, Grief and Joy in a Flatline Culture, May 14th and 21st, and people can register for it by going to syncast.net. That's spelled S-Y-N-C-H-C-A-S-T, syncast.net. Francis and I will be working together on two consecutive Thursday nights to help people begin to tap into their grief safely and with support. We titled this workshop Grief and Joy in a Flatline Culture because without exception, when we allow ourselves to grieve consciously, it deepens our joy and our connection with all living beings. And also, uh, I'm doing a weekend in June in Providence, Rhode Island called The Gifts of Grief, Grief as Sacred Work. That's June 12th through 14th in Providence. And we gather Friday night, Saturday and Sunday morning to come together and do conscious grief work in a very safe and nurturing environment. One of the things that grief work does is deepen our connection with the community. We have almost no permission in this culture to grieve. We're told that it's a private matter and rarely, if ever, if ever, do we have the opportunity to be with other people who are grieving and who give us grief, uh, so give us support as we grieve. And that's what this weekend offers. So if you want to find out more about this weekend and register for it, contact me at carolyn at carolynbaker.net. That's exciting because when I contacted you at uh, your email address and you responded right away, I like freaked out. <laughs> I put it on Facebook. It was pretty exciting. I have a question about the webinar. Is there a cost for that? Uh, yeah, there is. It's I think it's a thirty to sixty dollar range, and I, I I believe it's a sliding scale type thing. Nice. So um, just go to syncast.net and you can find out more about it and register for it there. I'll be there. That's awesome. All Thank right. you. Okay. So after you've come through the long dark night and you've dried your tears, Carolyn Baker, <laughs> I, I the the traditional last question on the Numinous podcast comes from the Proust questionnaire. And that question is, what do you consider perfect happiness? Well, you know, we are a happiness-addicted culture. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of happiness. I think it's highly overrated, but I am a huge fan of joy. You know, happiness is circumstantial, comes and goes. Do I have lots of money in my bank account? Um, do I look good? Do I have a boyfriend, girlfriend, that sort of thing? Um, joy is something that we carry with us in our core that we can tap into and access even if we're very sad and we're not particularly feeling happy. Um, so perfect happiness, I think, would would be, you know, to admit that there's something beyond happiness, to admit when we're not feeling happy, and to cultivate that joy that is at our core. Mm, beautiful. And do you have practices that help you cultivate that? 
Yeah, I do. And I talk about that in uh, Love in the Age of Ecological Apocalypse and also in my 2013 book, Collapsing Consciously, Transformative Mm -hmm. Truths for Turbulent Times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed that book and I recommend it uh, on, I I have recommended and do recommend it on my website as essential reading. And uh, I, I, and, and it is amazing how much uh, aliveness and inspiration I feel when I'm reading this material because you you are speaking the truth and uh, it, it it's like oxygen for me and I know it will be for many listeners. So thank you so much for sharing uh, all of your perspective and expertise and wisdom with us today, Carol. And I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Carmen. If you're a person who's never heard about near-term extinction and this is the first time you're hearing about collapse, I can't even imagine what you're thinking right now. (laughs) But for me, I feel totally invigorated and pretty excited uh, to know that Carolyn Baker is in the world and uh, I have her email address and now so can you. You can get all of the show notes at my website, carmenspaniola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A, and just click the link for the podcast. Thank you so much for listening today, especially to the parts that may have been difficult to hear. And I'd like to send a very warm shout out to my listeners in South Africa, so far away and yet we're connected and so close. Uh, it, It really warms my heart that you are spending time and downloading and I hope you're appreciating the show. If you'd like to keep exploring the great mystery of life with me, go to my website carmenspaniola.com and sign up to receive notifications. You'll instantly receive a free meditation download and I'll let you know every time I release a new episode. Until next time, take care.